Chip Greco says when he's on the job, nobody knows where he is, not even his wife. Each week is a different assignment, so we may be told tomorrow that we're leaving Monday. And so Monday when we report, we'll find out where we're going and when we'll be back. Uh, and then from then, you just you do your job. Chip Greco's job is driving one of the 18-wheelers that hauls nuclear bombs and warheads from military bases around the country to Pantex, the nation's only nuclear weapons disassembly plant. And we do it very well. We've just completed the 75-million-mile mark accident-free. So we're rather proud of that. The weapons Chip Greco and his fellow drivers bring back to Pantex are taken to the old munitions bunkers on the outskirts of the complex. During World War II, Pantex was a conventional weapons plant. It was converted into a nuclear bomb factory in the early 50s, and as the Cold War heated up, the plant expanded, consuming more and more adjacent farmland. Today, a mix of modern and World War II-era buildings are scattered over the 16,000-acre compound, protected by a state-of-the-art security system. Three layers of cyclone fences, stacks of razor wire, microwave alarm sensors, infrared motion detectors, video cameras, and hundreds of security guards who patrol in armored vehicles with 30 caliber machine guns. The joke among security guards is, if a couple of fences were removed, Pantex would look like a maximum security prison. Well, good afternoon. My name is Steve Reynolds, a lieutenant here at Pantex. I'm going to be helping on the coordination of your tour today. There's going to be a lot of do's and don'ts on this tour today. As you know, we're... In mid-May, the Department of Energy let reporters take a look at some of the Pantex operation. It was the third media tour of the plant since the 40-year veil of secrecy was lifted a year and a half ago, and the first time foreign reporters have been allowed inside. Was everybody issued a badge this morning? Hopefully. How about a dosimeter? Equipped with radiation detectors, safety glasses, and plastic toe caps, reporters are loaded into vans and driven past two security checkpoints to building 12104A. Down a long corridor, past an array of warning lights labeled Alpha, Tritium, and Trouble, is a room with a small linear accelerator and a large turntable. If you'll step over to this corner, we will demonstrate the movement of the accelerator and the turntable. Within 72 hours of their arrival, the nuclear weapons are brought here to one of these x-ray bays and checked for defects. Like a hospital patient on his way to the operating room, the weapon is then wheeled out of the x-ray room, down a hallway with polished seamless floors to assure a smooth ride, and into a disassembly bay. In the middle of the work bay, a sterile, windowless, 28-by-30-foot cement box with double-locked doors sits a 12-foot-long bomb in four sections. The weapon you see right here is the B-61, a B-61 bomb. It is split up right now in its four major components. In the nose assembly, we have what's called the radar, radar system. In the center case assembly is the nuclear explosive package. This and bomb is a training model. All the nuclear and explosive materials have been removed. Production technicians are required to undergo at least a thousand hours of training before they start taking apart live weapons. Technicians Elizabeth Davis and Sophia Barrera recall the first time they set foot in one of these work bays. It was overwhelming. It was, it was scary. I mean, I think if you've never worked around radioactive materials and, and then you walk into an area and that's all you see plastered all over the walls, you know, this radiation sign and caution and... Um, 
you're scared. You're you're a little scared. And my first thought was, oh no, I don't think I could do this. It's sort of claustrophobic. It's uh, closed in, no windows. And I thought, I just don't think I can do this. So I think I'll bid out just as soon as I can and go to another job. And once I got down there and started working and doing the job, it's, uh, it's a great job. I love it. It's the best job I've ever had. Production technicians usually work in pairs. It's called the buddy system. One worker stands about six feet from the weapon and reads the dis- stands about six feet from the weapon and reads the disassembly procedures aloud, then moves in to watch as the other does the work. Every step, down to removing a small screw or bolt, is spelled out in detail. It's not a physically hard job. Sometimes it's mentally tedious because of all the checkoffs and the paperwork and having to remember everything, all the rules and regulations. But it's a and it's a good feeling. Once you get that done, and well, here's another one. It's finished. Let's push it on out here. It's through. It's just a real good feeling to see the the entire thing completely disassembled. It can take up to three weeks to dismantle one nuclear weapon. Thousands of pieces and parts have to be inventoried and placed in various containers for disposal or recycling. The most critical component consists of the nuclear material, plutonium, and in some cases, tritium, surrounded by high explosives and the firing system. This physics package, as it's called, is gently rolled on a gurney out of the work bay, through another set of double doors, and into a reinforced circular room called a cell. These rooms are covered with 15 feet of dirt and gravel. A cell is designed to contain an accidental explosion. The roof would rise and then bury everything in here. The key idea is to contain the plutonium within the facility. We don't want it dispersed in front of the facility, so we want to bury it. The tricky part of the work here is separating the high explosives from the plutonium. In some of the older bombs, the explosives are highly sensitive and unstable. Plutonium is considered to be the most lethal substance ever created. Fortunately for these workers, it's contained in a stainless steel shell known as a pit. Our tour guide says for security reasons, he can't show us a real plutonium pit, so he uses a bowling ball. And this is how a pit's basically packaged. And this is kind of somewhat the shape of a pit. And at that and point, we all wear safety glasses with glass lenses. We wear lead aprons. And once you have the pit in your hands, you want to package it and get rid of it as quickly as possible. You don't want to sit around it all day. You don't want to take your time. And I don't want to say we rush through it, but we don't ever just leave it exposed. The machine on the wall continuously samples the air in the cell for radiation contamination. Next to it is a tree of traffic lights, green for operational, yellow for a malfunction, and red to evacuate. In 1989, the red light flashed and alarms sounded when tritium, a radioactive gas, was accidentally released during an otherwise routine disassembly of a nuclear weapon in one of these cells. Four workers were exposed to the tritium, None received doses beyond the energy department's allowable limit, but one worker never returned to the disassembly line and has since left Pantex. The cell where the accident occurred is still closed due to contamination. We really don't envision that happening again. Roger Jacobs has worked as a production technician at Pantex since 1982. Of course, it was a surprise when it did happen, but we had many safety features, and uh, it was taken care of as professionally as possible. That was not the conclusion of an Energy Department advisory committee which investigated the accident. The committee's final report said there appeared to be no plan to handle such a release. 
Missing, the report said, was recognition that such an event could take place. Two years later, in 1991, the General Accounting Office, the investigative arm of Congress, found what it called persistent safety and health problems at Pantex. And last fall, a GAO official called Pantex one of the worst in terms of occupational safety and health of any energy department facility still in operation. That was after an investigation uncovered several mishaps at the plant, one in which technicians accidentally dropped a plutonium pit. Gerald Johnson is the Energy Department's manager at Pantex. There were uh, some occurrences that uh, in the early 90s uh, that told us that we needed to enhance the training programs, that we needed to redesign the tooling to make them uh, to involve human factors so that people could not make those kind of mistakes. Uh, and we have a very major effort, and we have had over the last two to three years, to improve the overall formality of operations to make it much more disciplined. Uh, to really emphasize uh, uh, detailed procedures, step-by-step -step procedures, and we've essentially redesigned much of the tooling. One of the changes that has reassured workers is that they now have the authority to stop disassembly work if they feel there's a problem. Technician Sofia Barrera is a union safety representative. She's worked at Pantech since 1978 and says it didn't used to be the case, but health and safety has become a priority at the plant. Actually, it, it's health and safety first versus the production. And they really have proven to us, and I say us as in union officials and the workers, that they're willing to work with us, um, even just by, by giving us the right to stop in any process if we feel it's unsafe. But the biggest change, workers say, is the more relaxed atmosphere at the plant. For years, what went on at Pantex was never discussed outside plant walls, and certainly not with the media. As recently as two or three years ago, the idea of reporters, much less foreign reporters, touring Pantex was ludicrous. That's a real adjustment for us. It was a real shock at first. And the first time I looked at a newspaper and I saw the word pit, it, I, I really couldn't believe it. Because I thought all these years, and we were so afraid to say anything about the job that we did, and even at home. Even at home, when family men members would ask, what do you do, what, what exactly do you do, you, you never mentioned it. You just would say, I assemble weapons. For almost 40 years, assembling nuclear weapons is all Pantex workers did, from the weapons aimed at Cuba during the 1962 missile crisis to the last warheads that rolled off the Pantex assembly line and onto Trident submarines in 1992. For these workers, building bombs was both a job and a contribution to national security. It was something that was needed to be done. It needed to be done and it, um, it kept us from going to war. Most technicians say they never envisioned the weapons they built actually being launched or dropped on anyone. Although Roger Jacobs says there were a few times when he did think about their use. During the times at Beirut, you know, it would, it, it times after the explosion there that killed all the Marines, you, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, you know, we could we could take care of these people easily, but the global consequences are too just too much, and you realize that that's it's more of just a a thought than a than a than a reality. There are no orders for new nuclear weapons, so almost all the work at Pantex involves disassembly. A handful of technicians still do some maintenance and upgrade work on weapons that will remain in the stockpile, those not covered by arms reduction treaties. If given the choice, though, Roger Jacobs says he would rather build nuclear weapons than take them apart, not for any geopolitical reason, 
but for the sheer enjoyment of it. As odd as it may seem, Jacob says there is room for creativity in making nuclear weapons. Each job that you do and each weapon you build has to be built specifically to specs, but there are little techniques that you can use that you like better that, uh, that just show your individuality. And there's another reason most of these workers would rather be building nuclear weapons than tearing them down. The disassembly work at Pantex should be completed a little after the turn of the century, before workers like Sofia Barrera are ready to retire. Well, I think everyone's been concerned with the fact that there's only X amount out in the world and what will happen to us when these we've reached the limit. Um, after this is over, where can you go? Uh, you know, when someone asks, well, okay, let me see your employment record. What have you been doing for the past 20 years? Well, I spent half, half of that building nuclear weapons, and I spent the last half dismantling them. There's no other facility to go to. There's, there's nowhere else we can go. There might be future jobs cleaning up the plant or at a new research center planned for Pantex. One of the center's missions would be to figure out what to do with all the plutonium that's being removed from the nuclear stockpile. Plutonium has a half-life of 24,000 years and remains a threat to humans for hundreds of generations. Proposals range from reprocessing the material into fuel for nuclear power plants, burying it, even shooting it into outer space. Meanwhile, plutonium pits continue to pile up at Pantex, making nearby residents more and more anxious. Those who work at the plant, though, like Roger Jacobs, are less concerned. I mean, we're not afraid of this stuff, and I've got no problems with, uh, with our long-term storage out there. It's, it's not dangerous, and so many people have this TV image of barrels of gel leaking out and oozing on the ground, and it's, it's not like that. For one thing, there's no manufacturing of plutonium at Pantex, like there was at Rocky Flats, the energy department facility near Denver that was shut down after plutonium and other hazardous chemicals were found in the soil and groundwater. But the closure of Rocky Flats has left Pantex as the nation's only storage site for plutonium. Once removed from the weapons, the plutonium pits are carefully placed inside insulated metal drums and then loaded by forklift into the old munitions bunkers. Until the government decides what to do with the plutonium, this is where the drums will remain. Pantex workers say if history suddenly reverses course, they would be more than willing to haul the plutonium pits back out of these bunkers and put them back in to the weapons they once built and are now tearing down. I'm Dan Collison.